This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And before I get rolling, I need to let you know I'm going to take the next two weeks off. I know, I know. What are you going to do? It's just a, you know, you, you look forward to this every week, me blathering on for an hour. But um, it's the holiday season, and, uh, you know, Christmas is next Friday, and. Uh, New Year's is the Friday after that. New Year's Day is the Friday after that. And I figured, what the hell, take a couple of weeks, recharge the batteries, get through the holiday stuff, concentrate on that, and uh, enjoy a couple of days off of work here and there and uh, see what we can do, you know? And uh, and see through the end of the year um, without having to produce a show, which takes some time. I was talking to a friend of mine. He asked me, he says, how much time do you spend on each show. And so we started figuring it out. I said, well, through the week, I start to come up with, what am I going to talk about? Uh, You know, it's just, I rehearse it at the office. I'm the only one there, so I just kind of go through, how will I say what I'm going to say? What am I going to bring up? And and then, uh, just just over the week, I I work on it that way. And then, uh, usually on that Friday, I start to write down the notes. I start, I'll, I'll put together on a post-it note, I'll write topics. Okay, these are the topics I might be hitting. And then I, I start transferring it into my composition notebook here. It takes two pages for each show. And I start to lay things out and say, okay, what am I, I going to talk about here? And, and uh, I usually leave some room for possible tangents that I might go on. Some of the time my tangents are thought out ahead of time, but some of them occur to me at the moment. And sometimes something happens just before I go on the air and I say, oh, I got to talk about that. So um, that's that takes some time on that Friday just to start writing things up. It takes a couple hours to do that. And over the week, maybe it's a couple hours and just doing the rehearsing thing. Then it takes an hour to do the show. Obviously, I just do it right to live to laptop. There's no editing. There's no nothing I do once it's done. I just I, that's part of the reason why I call it Dimland Radio. It's it's like a radio show. When people do radio shows, terrestrial radio, actual radio shows, they don't go in and prepare something and record and edit and do all that. They generally don't do that. They sit down, they talk, and what comes out is what comes out. And that's what I do there. And then the next, then usually Sunday morning, sometimes Saturday nights, depending on how ambitious I feel, I write the show notes. And it usually takes at least a couple hours to write the show notes. 
it's just and and I don't know why I do it that way. I just do. My show notes is actually it's like a weekly blog that I write, and sometimes I add some stuff that I didn't get to in the show. You know, as far as on a particular topic, but I make sure I put in my links so that people can go to where I'm getting my information and just check it out for themselves. Uh, I do that, and I, I list I put links to the songs that are the bumpers that I use, um, so that you can check those out and. All you know, that's that kind of thing. So, we figured I don't know, maybe seven to eight hours a show, something like that. So, for like two listeners, that's pretty cool. And one of them's me. <laughs> there you go. So, and all for nothing. I don't get paid for this. This is this is just something I do. Uh, so, anyway, the next two weeks, I'm going to take a holiday break. I'll come back. Uh, the weekend after New Year's, uh, that will be after Georgia has uh, done its runoff election for the senators. With any luck, those people with my political leanings will will be happy to see the two Democrats win, uh, because that would give it, the Democrats a tie in the Senate with Kamala Harris, Vice President Kamala Harris, being the tie-breaking vote. Um, so, but more on that political stuff later. I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit later. So hopefully that'll be done. And, you know, and then we'll just be looking forward to uh, Inauguration Day and the riots by the Proud Boys. Because <clears throat> remember, they're standing by. And there's already been some stuff, but let's not get into that. This is a pre-Christmas show. And yes, I know, Dimland Radio has declared war on Christmas, but not really. <laughs> You know, and this year's tactic is to make every movie a Christmas movie. I was flipping through the channels the other day, and I popped onto this one movie that was playing, and I didn't quite recognize what it was, but there was a choir singing Christmas songs, and there was a Santa Claus, and there's a crowd watching. There's this guy roaming around the crowd, and it's Robert De Niro. And the way he looked, I went, huh, what is this? Is this what I think it is? And I clicked the information button, and it's Ronin. Ronin, the action movie where De Niro plays some kind of I don't know, spy guy or something beats up a lot of people and all that. Well, Ronan is a Christmas movie. I mean, that how much more obvious of a Christmas movie can you get? There's a choir and a Santa Claus. I mean, that's a Christmas movie. Hunt for Red October? You know, you got Sean Connery. He has a white beard. Who else has a white beard? Santa Claus has a white beard. Hunt for Red October. Christmas movie. See what I mean? But really, I don't really have a war on Christmas. I like Christmas. You know. Just uh, you know, just don't believe in the reason for the season. That's okay. So, um, I thought I would try to be uh, as positive and 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 nice <laughs> on this show as I can be. <laughs> so, uh, here's a cool thing. This is a cool thing. Uh, it's a long story. <laughs> well, I'll try not to make it too long. Uh, way back in 1973, my parents took us kids and moved us to another part of, the, of St. Paul. We moved over to the east side of St. Paul. And, uh, we, and the house that my parents still live in today is just a half a block away from Maplewood, which is a suburb of St. Paul, but we're St. Paul. Okay. And if you walk up that half a block and cross the intersection, go into Maplewood, when we moved in, on one of those corners was a restaurant. It was called Bridgman's restaurant it was and not only was it a restaurant it was an ice cream parlor 
and uh, and so we we lived that close to it. In fact, I think uh, my older brother Bob and my sister Nancy uh, both had their first paycheck jobs at Bridgman's. I believe they both did. I know Nancy did, and um, um, you know because I think Bob was cutting grass, and then he handed me off to the grass cutting job for that neighbor, and then he went and got this paycheck job, and that was at at uh, at Bridgman's, and Nancy was babysitting beforehand, probably did some still, and she, you know, got her paycheck job at, at Bridgman's. Well, anyway, Bridgman's had ice cream. They also had what's known as the Lollapalooza. Now, I don't know if they're the only ice cream parlor that has an, a Lollapalooza treat, which is this big bowl where they put in all kinds of ice cream and bananas and, and, and cherries and, and I don't know, pineapple with with fudge and whipped cream and strawberry sauce or whatever you, I guess you want in it. It's a huge thing that you know, people would dig into. I had a, a woman that I went to high school with confirm for me that yes, it was Bridgman's that had the Lollapalooza. But again, I think other places might have had something similar. And they had an ice cream there that was my favorite ice cream. And it was licorice. Now, I've seen some licorice ice cream uh, shown on television where the, the whole ice cream itself is that that charcoal gray color bluish gray color uh, where the, you know where the ice cream itself is flavored like licorice uh, and it might have some little licorice chips and little candy chips in it but you know I've seen that but that's not what Bridgman's had Bridgman's had it was essentially a vanilla ice cream with licorice chips in it and the chips were these little hard candies that tasted like licorice, and it was great. And li I love licorice. And, and note how I'm not saying black licorice, because there's only one licorice color. <laughs> Don't get me started. Anyway, so I get that there. But then the Bridgman's eventually closed down. It was There were several Bridgman's restaurants around, and I don't know if it was a regional thing or a national thing or what it was, but there were, there were at least a few locations in the Twin Cities. And uh, eventually they started all closing down, but I guess there's one open in Maple, uh, in Woodbury, which is just another suburb of St. Paul. All right, so it closed down and eventually, you know, there was a video store that took over part of it and a liquor store in another part, and then eventually the liquor store took over the whole thing. And so that's what's there now. I don't know, sometime about 10 years ago, sometime in that frame around there, uh, we took our, our uh, Amy and I, we took our son Hayden to the Ramsey County Fair. And the Ramsey County Fairgrounds is just a little bit beyond where Bridgman's used to be. It's not all that far away from where my parents live. So, so we went up there and, you know, they have the food booths and all that. And they had a frozen yogurt booth. And on the marquee, it was saying all kinds of flavors they had. And licorice was one of them. And I thought, oh, I'm going to try that. I had it and it was, you know, it tasted great. It was just this licorice flavor and it just was reminding me of that ice cream. It wasn't exactly the same thing, but wow, that's kind of cool. I said, wow, this is great. And the next year we went to the Ramsey County Fair and that booth wasn't there. Ah, crap. <laughs> so then maybe, I don't know, three, four years ago, five years ago, something like that, uh, three years ago, uh, um, I became aware. I was just. I went on the internet to, to to search where can I find licorice ice cream, Twin Cities, and there was a place called Nelson's in St. Paul. And it's over on Snelling, and it's a little bit of a drive from here, but there was a place, 
And it's it's not all that far from the comic book store they work at. So one day I went from the comic book store and I went over to find the place. I found it, went in, and they had the licorice ice cream. It was very similar to the Bridgman's one that I recall, at least I think it was. And it was great. But they give you this huge amount of ice cream. <laughs> so I had it down that whole thing. Anyway, it's great. But the other thing is, it's kind of far and it would have to be sort of an occasion sort of thing. And then the pandemic came in and, you know, I don't even know if the place is open. It was only open during the summer. So, all right. Well, just this past week, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday, I went on down to, you know, my office is over in Maplewood, and I, and I, and just walking distance from the office is a mom and pop grocery store. And I headed on over there. I go there a couple times a week just to pick up some Diet Dr. Pepper and a snack of some, some kind. And sometimes to get some extra groceries for home or whatever. And I, I went in this, this past week and, uh, you know, to grab the Dr. Peppers and that. And I just thought I'd look around for, see what else they had in there. And I went over to their ice cream. Now, I knew that they carried Bridgman's ice cream. Little half gallons of Bridgman's ice cream. I knew that they did that. Uh, yeah, but I never really explored it. And so this time I just kind of looked in there and there it was on the shelf. Licorice. I went, <gasps> it's eight bucks for a half gallon. It's kind of spendy, I guess. But I got it. And I bought it and I told Donna, she's the mom of the mom and pop. And I, I said, oh, I haven't had this stuff since, you know, for decades. And she's, in, you know, since Bridgman's restaurants were around. And she said, oh, oh, yes, they just, they just started to do these again because they were trying to find the licorice chips. Now they couldn't find the exact kind of th same thing, but they found something close enough that they could, you know, re-release this ice cream out into the world. I said, "Well, I I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this out." And I, and I, I brought it back to the office, and I excitedly took a picture of myself holding the half gallon, and said, "You know, I haven't had this kind of ice cream for decades." The Bridgman's licorice ice cream and even though it's not exactly the same thing but it's pretty close at least i was hoping it was pretty close i said i hope my memories live you know that the, the reality lives up to my memories and uh, uh and then i had to put it back out into the car because i couldn't i don't have a freezer at, uh, in the office and i wasn't you know home from work yet and i didn't have a spoon at the office so i put it out in the car it did soften up a little bit in the car but not too bad so i got it home i put it in the freezer I wanted to have my supper first, didn't want to spoil my appetite. And then once, you know, once I had my supper and then just kind of let a little time go by and I said, okay, I'm going to try it. And I went out and I scooped myself a bowl, took a picture of it, <laughs> put it on Facebook. And uh, I had it and it was great. It was great. You know, it didn't have, it wasn't the candy chips. They're more like little bits of gel or something because they, 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 they kind of, they almost had the same consistency as the ice cream. But so it wasn't the little bits of hard candy, you know. That was that was the only thing that was really different. Otherwise, as far as I could tell, the taste was right. The taste was right from what I remembered. It was great. I loved it. It was great. And people on the Facebook, you know, it raised a few comments. One of my more commented on posts about you know, some people were excited about the about the existence of the ice cream. Some people weren't fans of licorice. But they said, hey, we're happy for you that you found it. And um, a couple of people said, where where did you get it? You know, people that live in the Twin Cities. And I said, well, and I told them the name of the store and whereabouts it is. And then so today, earlier today, 
stopped at the store again to get another little snack. And I talked to Donna, and I told her. I put it on the Facebook. And so people were pretty enthused about it. And I said, it's great. It's, it's always really good. And she said, well, great. Thanks for doing that because, you know, word of mouth kind of spreads things around. So, yeah, I told people where it is. So if you have a run on the licorice ice cream, <laughs> it came from me. <laughs> so uh, that's really cool. It's just, it's just really cool. Um, I'm just checking my time. So okay, um, last Saturday, uh, if you're a listener to my show, you know that on Saturdays I work at a comic book store. Through the week, I work at home entering comic books online to our online catalog. It's nostalgiazone.com. If you want to get some comic books, go to nostalgiazone.com and see what we've got to offer. And you can sign up for a membership, save 10%, earn points toward future purchases, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's pretty easy to do. And we can mail it out to you. And if you're in the Twin Cities and you want to pick it up at the store, you can do that, but you have to set up an appointment because we're not open for customers. The COVID is just too crazy. Uh, but we are, you know, the Chris, the boss, will take, uh, we'll make appointments for people. If they, they want to see a specific item, they can come into the store and look at it, but otherwise it's just not open for, you know, just browsing traffic just to come in. So, all right, so I was there, and then on Saturday mornings, I bring the comic books that I, I took home, I bring them back into the store, I put them in the shelves that they belong in, and I grab another batch and bring them back, and I do a couple other things at the store just to help out. And uh, so last Saturday, uh, the owner, Chris, wanted to have a meeting with this other fellow that works there, and me, and just to kind of go through some stuff and whatever. And he came in at about noon, and we had a little talk, and at some point... You know, we're done with our talk and we're doing whatever we're doing. And he goes outside, and he comes back in, and he walks in with a 48-inch tall figure of Darth Vader from Star Wars. You know, the movie that we're all supposed to hate. <laughs> the movie series, franchise that everybody should hate. You know, a friend of mine, uh, my friend Craig, posted a... a, a, a uh, a, a ticket that a movie slit ticket that he had and it was for Star Wars and it was recent and I said were you a true Star Wars fan and hated it anyway um, so he walks in the owner does with this Darth Vader thing and he sets it down and I looked over at it and I went well that that looks kind of cool uh, and I looked at it and it, you know it's you could you could put batteries in it and it'll talk you press a button, it'll talk, or you can put it on the motion sensor. If you move your hand or you walk past it, it'll talk to you. You know, kill your parents, you know, do drugs, you know, drive the wrong way in traffic. No, it doesn't tell me that thing. Don't wear a mask. Well, Darth Vader wouldn't tell you not to wear a mask. <laughs> Come on. So anyway, uh, I, I, I turned to the owner and I said, uh, what are you asking for this guy? <laughs> and he says, why? Are you interested? And I said, Maybe. And we came up with a deal, and Darth Vader has a new home. He's a Darth Vader battle buddy. That's what it says on the little cardboard thing that he stands, that he, the little packaging that there is to it. It's just a cardboard box-like thing at the bottom by his feet, you know, that his feet set into. And there's a couple of uh, 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 zip ties that put him into place. And he had a little sticker on him that says, try me, and it has the button that push the buttons. You know, I don't think he was saying try me in a fight or something. But, uh, uh, you know, and he was in the, that, that's all it was to it, was that. And he had a little scuff in his paint on his shoulder. Not a problem to me. I don't care. I didn't care. Um, we struck up a price. I, I sent Amy a picture of it, 
And I said, this little guy wants a home. And she says, not our home. <laughs> it was too late. It was already in the car. <laughs> and I said, well. <laughs> and I brought it home. <laughs> I, I walked it from the car along the sidewalk instead of going through the backyard because I would have had to walk past our shrubs. And I didn't want to scratch it even more. So I took it along the sidewalk to the house so that all the neighbors could see me walking along with, with Darth Vader. And I said, it's for me. It's not for my son. This is for me. So uh, I brought him in. I took him out of the cardboard stand thing. I still have that set aside. Threw away the twist ties and the little sticker that says, try me. And I put him in my room. I told the boss that I had done it. I sent a picture of him and said, yeah, he's found a place. And he said, oh, you took him out of the thing. And I said, yeah. And he says, well, you know, that, that takes the value down or something like that. And I said, so what? I said, you know, some things are meant to be enjoyed, not to be considered for their potential resale value. And he said, amen. And I did, so I admitted to him, I said, I did hesitate for a little bit before I took him out of the little stand thing. But there he is in my room. It's really cool. I'll put a picture of it on the show notes page. Go to dimland.com, click on the show notes. You'll see, the, you'll get to the show notes and you'll enjoy it. So uh, I think I've made it to my uh, first break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Uh, this is my Christmas show, I guess. And uh, we'll see you when I come back from the spring. The weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Shows no signs of stopping. I brought some corn for popping. Lights are turned way down. You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Just a little girl I asked my mother 
what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. No. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. Okay, um, well, let's hear it for Governor, former Governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. He's a Republican. He's a friend of Fearless Loser. He has worked with, with him in his administration, in his election campaigns. He was, uh, he was the stand-in for Joe Biden uh, when they were doing the rehearsals for the debates. Uh, so he, he knows the man. He considers uh, the president to be his friend. But he's not, he's, he uh, is also, he was also one of the uh, analysts on election night for ABC. I think it was ABC. I'm pretty sure it was ABC. So, and he would, he'd be that Republican representative. They'd have a Democrat representative and they, you know, just being given that point of view during election night. And, and he's been pretty consistent about if there's voter fraud, show it. You know, show it to us. Show me the evidence, he would say. And he was being pretty good about, I'm not seeing it. And he was a prosecutor. He's a lawyer. He's a prosecutor, apparently. And he says, it's, it's just, it's not being proved in court. It's being thrown out of court left and right. So, to, you know, Governor Christie is calling it. He's saying, you know, Biden won the race. He even said, look at it this way. You know, the Republicans had a pretty good night on election night. They gained 14 seats in the House. They, they 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 flipped uh, uh, I think uh, uh, at least one governorship to Republican. They uh, a couple of legislatures, state le- legislatures went Republican. You know it, they didn't do as well in the Senate as they had hoped, but you know at best the Democrats are going to be able to tie it. So you know there's been this uh, there's been that. You know, he he says it's been. It wasn't. We didn't win at the top of the ticket, and it's pretty obvious he lost. And there's no evidence of widespread voter fraud. It's just not there. So the president is just, you know, he's just a he just sucks at being a loser, even though he's doing it so often. So he 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 uh, Christie was on CNN. He was talking to Chris Cuomo about about that, but he was also talking about another thing. And this is to give him a little bit of kudos to Governor Christie. Now, Governor Christie, if you may recall, got the COVID. And he, I, I didn't know this much, but he was in the hospital. He was in the, uh, the ICU. Uh, he was in isolation for seven days or something like that. You know, and, that's, and he's a guy that's got, you know, he's overweight. And that's a comorbidity for COVID. It's, it's, it could increase your chances of having difficulties with it. He's recovered. I'm sure he got the best medical care that taxpayer money could buy. And there you go. So um, he has produced a, a couple of PSAs, public service announcements, little ads to go on TV where he's trying to convince people who are anti-mask to wear a mask. He says, uh, he says uh, in there, he says, as we know now, he says, or he says, as we now know, uh, you are twice as likely to get COVID if you don't wear a mask. And he says that you, as, as we now know. Well, we've known it for a while. But um, he did say 
uh, on Cuomo's show that he'd been wearing a mask for seven months. He said, I've been, for seven months I've been wearing a mask. Uh, I, I'd been washing my hands, doing the social distancing, you know, doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do to keep yourself safe. And he said, I was keeping myself safe. But for four days, he let his guard down and he went to the White House and it was part of that, that garden party that they had for Trump announcing uh, Amy Coney Barrett as the his nomination to, to take the place of Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court. And we, as we now know, that was a super spreader event. It was going around. But Christie was saying, look, I got tested. The other people there were tested. Everybody said they tested negative. But you can test negative, but you can still have it. It's not showing up or something. Things can happen. Obviously, somebody had it. Something like four or five people at that event got COVID or more got COVID. He says, I let my guard down for four days and he got it. And he says, uh, he says you know, so he, he was stressing, you got to wear the masks. Wear the masks. Get the people to wear a mask. And I, st- and I maintain this position. Had, uh, had uh, And I heard uh, Pendulette say the same thing. Pendulette was talking on his podcast. He said that if uh, Trump had said, you guys listen to Dr. Fauci, listen to Dr. Burks. These are my experts on infectious disease. You listen to these people. I'm listening to them. I'm following their recommendations. You guys, Americans, you got to follow these guys' recommendations. They know what they're talking about. They're working on this. They have the experience and training. Uh, They have the expertise to deal with this. Listen to these guys. And then when the CDC turned their position around about wearing masks, and said just simple cloth masks can be helpful, wear masks, and Trump would have come out and said, if he'd walked into that press conference wearing a mask, wearing it properly, and stood up there and told the people in the press conferences, I'm wearing this mask because we should be doing that. We should be wearing masks when we can't socially distance, when we're out at the grocery store. This is the way we keep businesses open. This is the way we keep the economy from tanking. We wear masks to keep from spreading the illness around to each other, to protect our neighbors, to protect ourselves. Wear a mask. If he had done that, he'd have been reelected. Maybe. But he didn't. And a lot more people died than should have. I guess. So, uh, at least Chris Christie gets it. Took him a little. You know, he should have been out there. And maybe he was. Maybe. And to, give, to be fair, I might not have found anything where, you know, might have been, not have found the moments where he was saying, hey, guys, wear a mask, wash your hands, what are we doing? Maybe he was doing that those seven months before he let his guard down. But, uh, yeah. Uh, what else have I got? Um, this is a very cool thing. This is a very good thing. The COVID vaccine is being distributed here in the United States. It's the Pfizer vaccine. It got the uh, emergency use authorization from the FDA. Healthcare workers, the frontline people dealing with the COVID, they are getting it first. Um, and, and in fact, I was in a, a, a chat, uh, a Zoom chat with a bunch of skeptics. Okay, it wasn't the Minnesota skeptics. This was last night. It wasn't the Minnesota skeptics. I, I mean, I love the Minnesota skeptics, but, you know, I went to another skeptics group. Please don't tell them. Don't tell the Minnesota skeptics. It was just, it was just a one-time thing. It's, it, does, it didn't mean anything. It's just once. It just happened once. Anyway, so I was with this other group of skeptics in a Zoom conversation. And uh, one of the people there works in the healthcare Industry. She's a healthcare uh, frontline person. I don't know if she's a nurse or a doctor or what she is exactly, but she works with pregnant women who have COVID. And she got the vaccine 
uh, that I think it was that the, earlier that day. And she's saying right now the arm is sore, but she said so far she hasn't had any of the any bad reactions, no adverse reactions, she allergic reactions. She hasn't she hasn't had the fluish conditions that you can get the day or two after getting the vaccine. You know, so she but she's you know and we and of course we skeptics are science minded. At least in these groups, we're science-minded. You can be a skeptic and not necessarily be science-minded, but we're science-minded, and we go with the science, and the science says get the vaccine. And you need two shots of the R, of the mRNA vaccine, which is what Pfizer has, and Moderna has one too. And Moderna, I think, just got the uh, emergency use authorization, so they will have a bunch of vaccines coming onto the market or coming out to be used. And, you know, so it's, uh, uh, um, Pfizer has 100 million doses available right now, which means 50 million People can be vaccinated because you got to get two. You got to get two shots. So when you get that first one, you got to go back in about three weeks and get the second one. So in the meantime, the rest of us, and even those that are getting the shots, wear masks, wash your hands, keep your distance, do what you can to decrease the spread. And if we do that, you might get through the winter without getting COVID, get through the winter without getting the flu. Should have gotten your flu shot. Did you get your flu shot? I got mine. You can get through the winter without getting a cold. If we do these things, you might be able to get through the winter without getting sick. Not just with the COVID, but the other stuff. So, you know, be smart. Get the vaccine. The anti-vaxxers, they're already coming up. Oh, I don't want that chip put in me, that, that tracking chip that, for, that Bill Gates has put into the vaccine. Really? <laughs> what about that phone that you carry around with you everywhere you go? You don't think that's tracking you? It's duh. You know, it's, anyway, it's just it's just stupid. But it is good news. It's being rolled out. Uh, I'm sure my place in the line comes up in may, hopefully early spring. <laughs> I don't know where my place in the line is, but uh, it's 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 going to be a while. It's going to be a while, and I'm going to do everything I can to keep myself safe and keep my family safe. And we're going to try you know, wear the masks. Wash your hands, distance, try to be safe. And that's what you should be doing, too. So there's light at the end of the tunnel. What time have I got here? Okay, um, I can't believe I hadn't talked about this. Uh, I think I was planning on it, but I just never got to it. I know I've mentioned this, uh, this, this segment of the, this feature in the St. Paul Pioneer Press newspaper. It goes. It started out in in the 1990s, uh, and it's called the Bulletin Board. I'm pretty sure it started in 1990s, maybe earlier. But it, it's called the Bulletin Board, and what it is, it's a page or half a page set aside in the newspaper for for just the reader, regular people, to call in and leave a voicemail, to fax in a story. This you know it goes back to the days of faxes, or to email uh, stories, stories, jokes, pictures. Funny little anecdotes, you know, little observations, complaints, little stuff. It's not a letters to the editor. It's it's a just a it's the conversation at a at a at a backyard get together, you know, with family and friends, just kind of wandering around, telling stories, telling jokes, showing pictures, and just that's what it is. And uh, the editor for the page, uh, the guy who came up with the idea, was his name is Dan Kelly. He's this guy that that 
came up with the bulletin board. I'm pretty sure he came up with the idea because he's had other newspapers come to him saying, hey, how do, how do we set this up? Because it was kind of a big deal. It, I mean, it was a very popular part of the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Now, it has, uh, in the recent years, it went off of the paper and onto the internets, and it's uh, it's not a daily thing anymore. It comes out whenever Dan can put something together. Um, I think it might still be featured in the Sunday papers for the St. Paul Pioneer Press, but I'm not sure if that's still happening. But uh, anyway... I have, uh, back in the day, was quite the contributor to the thing. I mean, I would call in frequently, and I would have my little observations and and, and complaints about advertising and things. And I, you know, I, even my pedantry would show up here and there. Fairly, this is much more recent, but um, I, I, I called in one time to talk about. Uh, I was watching a, a an old episode of Columbo. And I mean the old, the 70s series is, is. And there's an episode that has the actor, I think his name is Ross Martin. And uh, he, you might know him from the uh, television series Wild Wild West um, with, uh, geez, what was his name? Robert uh, Conrad? Is that his name? Anyway, the guy that put the battery on his shoulder. Hey, come on, I dare you to knock it off. I dare you. <laughs> that guy. Uh, who he also showed up in the Columbo series as a murderer. Well, Ross Martin was... The murderer on this particular episode, and he his his day job was being an art critic, and he had a TV show, like art critics do, <laughs> and uh, he was wrapping up an episode, and he's talking about a particular I don't know impressionist artist, uh, you know somebody like Degas or or Van Gogh or somebody, and he says this he says, and that's what makes whatever that artist is the penultimate artist. And, well, we know what the word penultimate means, right? It means next to last. I looked at this. What? He's, he's the next to last artist? What? What does that mean? It was used as though he was saying the ultimate artist. But penultimate artist. So I called that in to the bulletin board. And it got put into their online segment. And, uh, and, and, I, and I, you know, it's funny I should mention penultimate. It's a word that has gotten to be too popular. All of a sudden, I'm seeing it. The last few months, I'm hearing it on podcasts. Just before I started recording this show, I was watching a, a, a bit on YouTube. It's a YouTuber that does uh, uh, record reviews. He goes track by track and gives his impressions of it. And he's, he's doing this, apparently, Paul McCartney has put out a new album called McCartney. It's a solo album, and it's a truly solo album. Paul plays all the instruments on it. He writes all the songs, does all the vocals, produces it. He does it all himself. This is the third time he's done that. So McCartney 3 is what it's called. Uh, back in the 70s, he did McCartney. Then in 1980, there was McCartney 2. And now, 40 years later, he's done McCartney 3. And so this guy is doing a, a rundown of what his thoughts of uh, the tracks were. He, in general, he liked the album. He gave it an 8 out of 10. And then he gets to the second to the last track, and he says, now for the penultimate track. And I went, oh, God, would you guys stop saying penultimate now? <sighs> Just stop it. And here's another thing. I've been noticing this with young people. And by young people, I mean people under 40. And the more under 40 you get, the more likely they're going to do this. I've seen them on news programs where they're 
people talking to each other, you know, getting their, their thoughts on the issues of the day. And I've seen it on other kinds of conversations on YouTube and, and, and other, you know, uh, interviews or stuff like that. And somebody's asked a question about their thoughts on a particular matter or, or piece of art or rec piece of music or something. And the person that is asked that, the first words of their mouths are these two words. First two words they say. I mean... What's this I mean? What do you mean I mean? You haven't said anything yet. You don't start off in the in the middle of a thought. I mean, <laughs> you know, first you when you get to the I mean phrase, that means you've set it up with something else. You've set it up with you. You start to say something, and then you, and then just to make sure that you you like you want to say what I'm trying to say, or in other words, you throw in something like that, and then you give another spin to it. To, to to help somebody understand what you're saying and or so you might say you you give a bit of a of a, of a thought and, and then you say i mean and then you say you know it's, it's, that's you know it's just you don't start off by saying i mean but that's what they're doing now i mean it makes me crazy well it doesn't make me crazy and i meant to say that i mean at the beginning <laughs> so uh i think it's time for my next break is it? Let me check my clock. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's time, time for the next break. You are listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'll be back after this break. It's the best time of the year. I don't know. Station identification. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Operating frequency on ztalkradio.com. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Influenza season is upon us and it can be a killer. But it's not too late to vaccinate. Usually most cases of influenza in Minnesota don't even occur until January or February and the season lasts all the way through April. Get a flu shot now and you'll protect not only yourself but those around you. See your doctor or visit mdhflu.com to find a flu clinic near you. This message from the Minnesota Department of Health. But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Boom, 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 Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Now, as I was saying about the bulletin board before I got off on that penultimate and the I mean thing, way back when, in the bulletin board, uh, a a contributor who goes who went who goes by the name Jigetto on Lincoln. Jigetto on Lincoln. 
that's what this person calls themselves. They called in with what uh, uh, what they call, noticed was a strange phenomenon. When you hear a word, a phrase, uh, you, you encounter an idea for the first time, you will re-encounter that word, idea, phrase, whatever, within 24 hours. They said in print, but it, it got expanded to, you'll just see it. And he said he, he and his, his friends took to calling it the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon because they had never heard of the Bader-Meinhof gang, which was a, a uh, far-left militant uh, um, organization, if you can call it that, uh, group that came together in, in West Germany, uh, I think in the 1960s or 70s, and they, you know, they you know, did some bad things and whatever. Um, and they, the, he, this, this fellow, Jaghetto, and his friends had just learned about the Bader Meinhof gang. And then within 24 hours, they spotted some other information or the Bader Meinhof gang f term again. And they said, wow, that's weird. So they just started calling it that, and then they no would notice this stuff would happen. So they called it into the bulletin board. And they called it, this guy changed, you know, he called this particular phenomenon, he called it the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. And that's what this topic was in the bulletin board. And for years, it would just be something that would happen there. But eventually, the phrase began to move into, you know, into use, Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. In fact, it is in the Oxford Dictionary, Oxford English Dictionary, it, it showed up in there, that phrase. You know, and to explain what is now known as the frequency illusion, Psy you know, psychologists have called it that, it's a frequency illusion, which is um, you learn of something new and your brain becomes, you know, we're pattern seekers, your brain becomes attuned to it, it just gets there and then and starts noticing other instances of it. Bef and, and, and it's sort of like uh, we have a Kia Soul, it's the one soul that uh, Amy and I have. Uh, you know, and before we got one, and before we started thinking about getting one, we never noticed how many of them are out there on the road. But as soon as we started thinking about getting a Kia Soul and got one, we start seeing them all over the place. It's kind of sort of like that. But you're just you're not looking for them, but now you're looking for that instance. It's, a, it's this frequency illusion. So when you when you come across it again, because you hadn't been primed. Properly, you may have been encountering the Jaghetto may have been encountering instances where there's been some mention of the Bader Meinhof gang, but he didn't notice it. He, his brain hadn't been primed yet, but once he finally, once he first noticed it, ah, there it is. And then when it comes up again, in, in such a quick time, it becomes a, a bigger thing, and it's called the frequency illusion. Which, but the frequency illusion, that phrase was coined after Bader Meinhof phenomenon was coined so and that's a cool thing and I brought it up because the podcast Omnibus which is hosted by Jeopardy champion uh, Ken Jennings and uh, a member of the band The Long Winters John Roderick they had a podcast uh, called the Bader-Meinhof Gang in which their podcast is about telling you all kinds of history stuff and interesting stories because they think that the world's coming to an end and uh, this podcast is going to be for future generations to find. That's their conceit to it. And so they talk about these interesting aspects of, of our culture, of, of the world. 
And so one, they did one episode about the Bader-Meinhof gang, and the very next episode they did was about the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, in which Ken Jennings talked about how it originated, that phrase originated from the St. Paul Pioneer Press bulletin board. I thought that was great. I wrote something up. I emailed it to the bulletin board. Dan Kelly got back to me. He listened to it. He was a little upset. <laughs> About what Ken Jennings said. It's like the lazy editor's dream. <laughs> but anyway, it showed up there. I'll see if I can link to the that uh, that uh, uh, bulletin board edition where you can scroll down and you can find uh, you can find that moment uh, where credit is given. You know, credit where credit was due was given. So I thought that was a kind of cool thing. Okay, uh, since this is my Christmas show, I may have done this. Uh, already in the past. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to read, I'm going to try to read both of them. Um, uh, blogs I've written for the Nostalgia Zone blog, uh, Warehouse Fine, that's what we call it. I'll link to it in the show notes. Go to dimland.com, click on the show notes, you'll get to it. Uh, I'm going to read these. These are two of my favorite blogs that I wrote that have a Christmas theme to them. And uh, so let's, uh, let's get into it. <clears throat> Uh, this one's titled The Best Version Of, and then uh, there's a picture which shows uh, the title card from the movie uh, Scrooge uh, from 1951. <clears throat> That's when the movie, that this is about the movie, Scrooge. Um, well, it's holiday time again, and I figured I'd weigh in on this most serious of debates. Which of the 14,398 film and television versions of Charles Dickens' classic story of greed and redemption is the best? It's difficult to say for certain, because I haven't seen all 19,573 versions of A Christmas Carol, but that's not going to stop me from naming the one of the 22,741 versions I think is best. The story is very familiar to most anyone. With 27,821 versions, it's hard to believe people uh, need to know what the story is. Ebenezer Scrooge is a cold, money-obsessed man of business. He's penny-pinching and cruel to all around him, with no charity toward those who are less fortunate. He thinks Christmas is a bother and a humbug. However, his former business partner, Jacob Marley, who had died on Christmas Eve seven years earlier, visits Scrooge as a ghost who exists in a hellish kind of limbo. The late Marley has taken pity on Scrooge and wants to give him a chance to change his ways and avoid a similar fate. Three spirits will visit Scrooge on Christmas Eve to help convince him of the error of his cruel greediness. Looking through the Christmases of his past, present, and future, Scrooge learns he's had a wonderful life and that he really shouldn't kill himself for a bit of insurance money. Wait, that's a different movie. Turning the page. Anyway, the spirits do their job, and Scrooge awakens enlightened and inspired to change his ways. He becomes quite the generous soul who henceforth always kept Christmas well. Yeah, I know, spoilers, but come on. As I said, there have been many, many, many versions of this story told since Dickens wrote it. Hell, WKRP in Cincinnati even did a version of the classic tale. But hands down, my favorite version is the UK's uh, 1951 renowned pictures film Scrooge, or A Christmas Carol, as it was titled in its American release, starring Alistair Sim as the mean old miser himself. It's vital 
the uh, it, let me start that sentence again. It's vital that the actor playing Scrooge gets it right, and not the not just the cold-hearted, money-grubbing, humbug-shouting Scrooge, but the joyous, giddy, warm-hearted, redeemed man that he became. And Sim is brilliant. His dark and cruel Scrooge is terrific, and his humbled, kind-hearted Scrooge is just as convincing. His supporting cast is filled with wonderful English actor, character actors, most of whom rise up to match the caliber of Sim's performance. I have two quibbles. Uh, one is the woman who plays the younger Scrooge's love interest. She acts a bit wooden and is always looking off into the distance. And her crying is about as phony as I've ever heard in film. I'm not sure if that was an acting choice or if that's how she was directed to play it. It just felt acted, if you know what I mean. The second quibble is the whole Cratchit family Christmas celebration. They are so pitifully poor because Scrooge pays the head of the family so little, and yet theirs will be the finest goose and the finest Christmas in all of London. They'll have enough gin punch for two toasts and the pudding. Oh, the pudding! Come hear the pudding singing in the copper! Yeesh! The whole sequence is so sweet, I think I develop a cavity every time I watch it. Now, I know the scene is supposed to show how happiness is not tied to money. The Cratchits are joyful despite their poverty, while Scrooge is miserable with all his wealth. But still, I'd advise brushing your teeth immediately after watching that scene. And Tiny Tim is too tall. Okay, that's three quibbles. Otherwise, I think the film is wonderful. It has a dark and brooding feel prior to Scrooge's conversion. And one of the effects of that darkness is to give the feeling of authenticity to the story. It feels real and makes one think the movie goes back much farther than 1951. But the picture brightens and the world becomes a hopeful place after the spirits have succeeded in their task. Oh, and as a bonus, there's an excellent continuity error in the film. Christmas morning has arrived. Scrooge's charwoman, played terrifically by Kathleen Harrison, has come with his breakfast. Scrooge is not acting himself. He's giddy, he's happy, and she's terrified. So there's Scrooge dancing around the bedroom when he stops to look in a mirror to tell himself he doesn't deserve to be so happy. It's at that point you need to look in the mirror. Look closely. You will see a man off camera lean in to watch the scene. It's not a ghost. It's not pareidolia. It's a member of the crew, and it's a pretty cool continuity error. If you have never seen Scrooge, or if it's been a long while, uh, it's well done and worth your time. The entire film is available on YouTube, but if you watch the colorized version, I will be sorely disappointed in you. Colorization is a humbug. Humbug! That's my Scrooge. I really do like that movie. Uh, I watch it every year around Christmas. I think it's terrific. I think Alistair Simmons just nails it. He just has this wonderful quality to him uh, through the beginning part where he's not just he's not just mean, but he, he, he you get the impression that he's hurt as well. And there's just there's just he's got the weight of the world on him when he really doesn't have to. And it's just it's just done so well. He's got huge hands too. Just there's a scene in there where he's holding onto the bedpost of his bed, and it's just it's a huge hands. <laughs> At least they look that way in the shot. I'm going to take a sip, if you don't mind. Okay, before I read this next one, 
Um, this one's called Mom's Increasing the Rarity of Valuable Items Since. Oh, and by the way, the uh, Scrooge one I wrote, <laughs> I should have told you at the top. This one was uh, uh, written on uh, oh, Christmas Eve in 2015. This one was uh, December 23rd of 2016. So, okay, here we go. Um, <clears throat> Mom's increasing the rarity of valuable items since. The other day, while waiting in the checkout line at Walgreens, I became part of a conversation about the ways people would light their Christmas trees back when they were kids. Back in the Stone Age. Actually, one way in particular. The cashier was describing the lighted rotating color wheel that would project colors on the tree or house or whatever you would aim it at. They still exist, but the customer ahead of me had never heard of them. I chimed in to say I was pretty sure I had one at home, which I did, and do. Uh, one from the Stone Age that used to belong to my uh, wife's parents uh, and was in the basement somewhere. I should see if I can dig it out and set it up for some bonus lighting on Christmas Eve, which I did that year. Okay, back to the block. The conversation continued as it became my turn to make my purchases. The cashier marveled at all the things we got rid of over the years. If only we'd kept them, we'd be millionaires, she lamented wistfully. Um, well, unless we got rid of those Matisse originals stuffed in the back of the closet for so long, being potential millionaires would be a stretch. Perhaps she meant we'd feel like a million bucks to be able to still connect with an object from our past. Yeah, I don't think she meant that either. On the drive home, I got to thinking about how we lose our treasured items from our youth. Most of us simply outgrow our toys we prized so highly. We decided money would be more valuable at the moment and sold those items at garage sales. Maybe we were less monetarily motivated and gave our treasures to goodwill. Maybe Mom got sick and damn tired of our room being such a mess. Turning the page. Oh, yeah. The Great Toy Purge of 1976, or thereabout. I shared a room with my younger brother in those days. My brother was more of the un unkempt uh, than I was. I'm sorry, say that sentence again. My brother was more of the unkempt sort than I was when it came to the cleanliness of our room. However, I wasn't exactly Felix Unger. And one day, Mom had had enough. We hadn't heeded her warnings to get the room clean or else. Or else what? We shrugged to each other. What's she going to do? Throw everything away? <laughs> right. Well, that's exactly what she did. She finally snapped and began scooping up our toys at, that had been so carelessly strewn about our room. Then out to the tr trash it went. All of it. She really did it. Trip after trip, our collection of toys disappeared. Then she turned and eyed my box of comics. No, I cried. Not my comic books. Mom, please. And much like a soldier leaping onto a live grenade to save his comrades, I threw myself in harm's way to save my precious comic books. My look of terror quickly turned into a sneer of defiance. Do what you will with my comics, woman. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's say that again. Do what you will with my toys, woman. But you shall not lay a finger on my comic books. Not one step closer if you value your life. Mom hesitated. The tension of the standoff could be cut with a knife. She gave it some thought and finally capitulated. No, your comic books shall not be touched. 
They are put away where they belong, which is what I wanted to be done with your toys. And I would suggest that you bag and back them with mylar bags and acid-free backing boards if you want to keep them in good condition. I'm not sure she actually said that last part. Anyway, as the day waned, with her boys still whimpering over the purge of their toys, Mom's heart softened. All right, she said. I may have overreacted a little. I hope you boys have learned I'm serious when I say you need to put your toys away. You may go out to the trash and retrieve one toy. I don't recall which item my brother rescued, but I grabbed my Hugo, Man of a Thousand Faces. Oh, he was a cool toy. He came with a wig, mustaches, warts, scars, two extra noses, sideburns, fangs, eyeglasses, etc. You could make him look so many different ways, like a thousand different ways. I cut a window in his box and covered it with plastic wrap so that when he was boxed up, he could still see out. I used to put Hugo in his box, looking out the window that I made for him, and I'd zoom him around the room as though he was in a rocket ship. Boy, I did like that ship. Boy, did I like that toy. Do I still have Hugo? Nah, I gave him away. Yep, so those are two of my favorites of the blogs I've written with a Christmas theme. Good night, Frau Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, that's the end of another Dimland Radio. Be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidences, uh, evidence. Wash your hands. Keep your distance. Wear a mask. Stay home. Stay safe. And uh, this is Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons, your host of Dimland Radio on the Talk Radio Network, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. Merry Christmas, and I'll see you in the new year. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks, thanks for, for tuning us in. in. Well, well, I'm going to hell. Behave yourselves, because Santa can still look into his magic snowball and see just what you're up to. And now that you know all about him, you can be darn sure. That comes snow or high water. Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not.